0: What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for a Wednesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We are a Sports Ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me over on Twitter at Joe Orico 99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. Make sure you're giving us a follow over there. All of our content throughout the rest of the preseason and, of course, right into 2024, you can find over there, whether it's a podcast, article, news and notes, updates to anything that we're doing You guys can find at ethos fantasy BB and also go and check out sportsethos.com. That is the website. You get everything there right from the source today. We are going to be doing a mock draft. We've done a couple so far. We're going to be doing one slightly differently than what we've done so far. We previously had done a 12 team head to head mock draft. This one is going to be a 12 team Roto style. And part of it is because I did some polls yesterday over on Twitter And I was just trying to get a gauge on what you guys mostly play in. Is it a points league? Is it Yahoo? Is it ESPN? Is it weekly, daily, whatever? I put out a thread full of polls, and this is kind of specified based on your responses to the polls. So we're doing it Yahoo style. We're doing Yahoo settings. It's all set up for Yahoo ADP because 42% of you guys did say that you play on Yahoo. We're going to be doing head-to-head categories because that was also the most popular response. 12-team league, and we are going to be doing standard 5-by-5. Those were the specifications that you guys said you mostly play in. And me, being a man of the people, I am going to do a mock draft with those settings. We are going to be doing that using the Fantasy Pro's Draft Wizard technology because I think it's probably the best place you can be mock drafting right now. Uh, Somebody commented on one of the previous mock drafts that we did saying... You know, why don't you do it against real people? Why don't you hop into the Yahoo room and do it against the actual people? There's a few problems with that. Um, people will leave those drafts after a couple rounds, they'll get auto picked. There's a lot of variance that happens with those Yahoo drafts. Sometimes you enter in and there's 11 people in there who are you know ready to play, they're all really knowledgeable people and they're making good draft picks, and then sometimes You get into a draft and the first overall pick is like Jacob deGrom or something ridiculous or whoever, and you're like, okay, this whole mock draft is ruined. The benefit of using the technology that is on Fantasy Pros is that you can, one, you can specify it completely to your settings, how you like it, if it's 10-team, 12-team, you want to draft 5th, 6th, whatever, it's totally up to you but there's also the fact that you're drafting against the expert consensus rankings that are on fantasy pros. You're not just drafting against somebody who may or may not have done their research this year. You're drafting against essentially, you know, 18 or so experts who have already uploaded their rankings into the system. So I I think it does give us a good gauge of proper value at this point, where if you enter into a mock draft with real people, which we will do. um, I just don't know if it's quite as useful as using uh, the technology. So, I'm gonna get this thing going, like I said, we're doing Yahoo. It's a twelve team league. I'm gonna be drafting right from the middle at the sixth spot just to kind of see the way things play out. I don't want to be drafting on the turn and you know taking two players and switching up um you know the natural progression of the progression of the draft. So I'm going to be going in the middle. The way I have set it up is more Roto style with one middle infielder and one uh, corner infielder. I have that set up wrong here. Just going to quickly change that. One corner, one middle infielder, um, one of every infield position, one catcher, one first baseman, one second baseman, one shortstop, one third baseman, three outfielders, two utility spots, and then in a true Roto fashion, the pitching spots are not specified between starting pitcher and relief pitcher. I've put eight pitching spots that the computer and myself can do whatever we want with in total we'll be drafting 20 players we're not going to go into the bench rounds today we are just going to be drafting the starting 20 make sure everything is set here we are drafting uh using the yahoo adp and the yahoo pre-draft rankings so and using yahoo eligibility rules as well so this is truly a yahoo style draft Let's hop into it. Let's stop uh, keeping you guys waiting. Let's get going, and we are just getting the thing uh, loading up here on the screen. Nothing too shocking right off the top, except for Shohei Otani going at number two. Otani's a weird one this year. I think that there's a chance that we do see him go as high as number two, number three, number four. I don't think it'll happen regularly, but there's also the fact that he's Shohei Ohtani. He just won the MVP. He went to the Dodgers. There will be people who are drafting him fairly high up, and I don't think it's ridiculous to think that he could potentially be, like, the number one, number two player in fantasy. Am I going to expect that? Probably not, but it's not as crazy as you might think taking Shohei Ohtani at number two. It went Ronald Acuna, Shohei, Julio Rodriguez, Bobby Witt, and then Aaron Judge. At number four, or excuse me, Aaron Judge at number five, I'm going to go ahead and take Corbin Carroll. I think it's real close between him and Mookie. You're getting a lot more speed out of Corbin Carroll to go along with probably similar power, similar runs. I mean, Mookie is going to lead the way in RBI. Batting average will be close, but I think I'm going to take that solid steals anchor on my team here. Uh, Corbin Carroll... It's a head-to-head league, right? So week to week, you're you're pretty sure of what you're going to get out of him in terms of pretty much everything. Where with Mookie, it's not it's not a big difference, and I can honestly make the case for for Kyle Tucker as well. Like it's all they're all really close, but I think week to week, Corbin Carroll probably gives me the highest floor of these guys. We've only seen one year from him, and he was a top ten fantasy player. It's kind of scary to think what he could do going forward. So I am going to take Corbin Carroll here at 106 in the first round. Usually, you're not even seeing him get to that price. Like, usually he is off the board by the time pick four comes around. Sometimes he makes it to five. You don't usually see him at pick six. Uh, he was followed up by Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts, Kyle Tucker, Fernando Tatis, Juan Soto, and Jose Ramirez to wrap up the first round. In round two, we got Matt Olson, Trey Turner, Spencer Strider, Corey Seeger, who. I mean, this is a, this is something I don't think it's that concerning, but they announced yesterday that he did have a surgery this off season. hopeful to be ready for opening day. It's not great news, uh, but it's probably not going to have me drafting him at the beginning of the second round either. I think two zero four is a little bit high for Corey Seager. Given what we know right now, Jordan Alvarez and Garrett Cole followed up at two Oh five and two Oh six. It's kind of a tricky spot here. Um, you know, I took a lot of speed in the first round, so I don't really have to worry about, you know, you need to catch up with speed, which is a problem if you take certain guys in the first round. If you take a Juan Soto, um, you know, potentially Freddie Freeman, Aaron Judge, if you take these guys and you kind of have to worry about speed in the second round, I'm not in a position where I really have to do that. Bryce Harper is the guy that I want to go with. It's either him or Austin Riley. And honestly, the more I think about it, the, the scarcity that I'm going to find at third base versus first base is probably going to lead me to drafting Austin Riley, even though I think they're they're really close. I think the third over first base thing is going to lead me towards Austin Riley here. I don't think you can go wrong. I really don't. I just think that you can find first baseman a little bit later where third is a little tricky. And then we have the whole Austin Riley's Rafael Dever debate, which is, I don't think it's much of a debate really. Devers is the guy that I'm clearly leaning there if those are the two options given to me. So let's take Austin Riley in the second round here. Our offense has a very solid base of power and speed. Good batting average from both guys. They're not going to blow you away necessarily. But 270, 280 from both your first two guys, uh, I I think, is really solid. After Riley, it did go to uh, uh, Rafael Devers. I don't know how Andrew McCutcheon ended up in here, and maybe that's some error in the technology. I think there was some problem in the technology. Here I am going on about how great the technology is, and then we see Andrew McCutcheon go in the second round. I don't know how that happens that is hopefully the only anomalous pick here because that is kind of a strange one uh bryce harper corbin burns marcus Semien, and ozzy albies francisco Lindor, pete Alonso, vladimir guerrero jr um i think at this point for me um i'm gonna probably take my first starting pitcher you can kind of wait a little bit uh, in 12 team leagues i don't need to go as early as i normally would in a 15 team league I think my guy is Kevin Gosman, though. He's my number two starting pitcher, sitting here at pick 30. He's not being drafted as the second starting pitcher, but that's where I currently have him. Could move around a little bit. Generally speaking, he is, like you see on screen here, if you're watching on the YouTube side, going as the fifth pitcher off the board. And at that point, I don't think you can go really that wrong with Gosman. I know there's some concern about the high babips and the Toronto grass and the infield defense. He's done it for three straight years four straight years really if you want to go back to the shortened uh, season where he also was really good I don't have any problem taking Gosman at pick 30 that's generally where he's going I think he's probably going a little bit later than he should as well so I'm going to take Gosman as my SP1 here middle of the third round I don't think you can go too wrong with Kevin Gosman after Gosman it went Zach Wheeler, Luis Robert, Jose Altuve and then Ellie De La Cruz, Michael Harris and CJ Abrams wrapping up round three Round four, we got Cody Bellinger, J.T. Realmuto, Luis Castillo, Gunnar Henderson, Randy Arozarena, and George Kirby. Pablo Lopez is probably my guy here. I'm really interested in Pablo. I mean, it's maybe a touch early at 43, but not really based on where he's been going uh, in recent drafts. I'm going to pull up the recent ADP we have from the NFBC. That's right where he's going. I'd pick 43. So it's not like I'm reaching necessarily. Um, it does feel kind of early for Pablo Lopez, but based on what he did last year, based on what the projections are calling for, it's probably not. I've If I can take him and I can lock down a couple of aces on my staff to go along with Riley and Carroll, I think that's a great start here in a 12-teamer. Let's do it. Let's take Pablo Lopez at pick 43 overall, the seventh pick of the fourth round. Now, after I take Pablo Lopez, it goes Boba Devin Williams, Adelise Garcia, Yoshinobu Yamamoto, and Zach Gallen. Starting off round five, we got Nolan Jones, Kyle Schwarber, Josh Hader, Adley Rutschman, and Manny Machado going earlier than I would have expected at pick 53 here. Now I got pitching pretty well nailed down. There are a few options here that are pretty tempting to just say, you know what, I am gonna dominate pitch and take either a glass now, a Nola, a Webb, or even a Tariq Skubal. There's a lot of options there, really. If I'm looking at just hitters, the best options here based on price, based on ADP, Goldschmidt, Yelich, Josh Lowe. William Contreras, there's nobody that I'm terribly in love with. And this has been kind of a problem for me at certain points of draft season. I've drafted six teams. I'm on my seventh right now. I know um, it's only January. I'm degenerate. But I come to a point in most drafts where I don't really love the player who's available to me. And I'm kind of thinking, well, it doesn't fit what I need positionally. I'm not sure if it makes sense. And then I end up reaching a little bit you know, earlier than I probably should for some players just because they fit my team build a little bit better when I'm actually probably leaving a better player on the board. I took Trey Turner over Jordan Alvarez in the draft yesterday in the second round. And right after I did it, I was like, well, I wanted to get some speed. But realistically, I think Jordan's going to be better than Turner. So that's like a kind of a blind spot that I have is roster construction over taking the best player. I think the highest upside player on the board right now is who you're seeing on screen right here is Tyler Glass. Now, if he's able to stay healthy, if he's able to meet his rough projection, 140, 150 innings, it's going to look real stupid in Los Angeles. He's going to have close to 20 wins. He's going to have close to 200 strikeouts. I, I think that I might just fully lock down pitching here, which is not something I usually do, but again. We get into these drafts, these mock drafts, these real ones this time of year, just to kind of figure out what we want to do once the big money comes on the table in March and you're drafting your legit team. So I'll take Tyler Glass now here. I don't know that anybody's going to compete with my starting pitching staff. Gosman, Lopez, and Glass now is just ridiculous. To have a base of Riley and Corbin Carroll as well, I think that's pretty damn good. Now, sitting at the top of the board here, again, we got a bunch of pitchers, but number one is kind of interesting. Emmanuel Clause. I'm not going to jump to taking him, but let's see who is available among relief pitchers. Most of those studs are still there. Classe, Duran, Doval, Iglesias, the guys that have been taken so far, Devin Williams, Josh Hader, and Edwin Diaz. I don't love Classe to the point where I want to take him here necessarily. I want to start thinking about closer, and I think what I will probably do, I'm just going to double-check and see where he is based on ADP, ECR. Eh, I might be able to wait around on Juan Duran. Me saying that means that he's probably going to get taken I like Duran more than Klaase. I think just based on the strikeouts, and I can probably get him around later. So let's wait on on closers. Um, although you know, this is what I'm doing. This is the same thing I was just talking about. Of I don't love the range. I think I can wait around. It's probably not. The best thing to do is take somebody who is a little bit inferior that fits your team build better. I'm, I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to take Joanne Duran here, even if they think it's a bit of a reach. I'll take him over Emmanuel Clase. And I'm not saying I'm going to do that in every single draft this year, that there's a right way or a wrong way in that particular front. But I do think that Duran's strikeouts are going to lead him to having at least as good, if not a better season than Classe. Uh, after Duran at 607, we went Blake Snell, William Contreras, Emmanuel Clase, Joe Musgrove, and Freddie Peralta. Starting off round seven, We got Jazz Chisholm, we got Christian Yelich, Josh Lau, Josh Lau, Josh Lowe, um, Will Smith, and then, and well, that's Will Smith, the catcher, in case anybody's worried about any weird, uh, you know, why somebody drafting the relief pitcher here, uh, no, it's Will Smith, the catcher, and then Brian Reynolds at 7.05. Let's see who's available to me at the top of the board. It's mostly pitchers. Um, You know, in terms of the positions I need to fill out, it's pretty much all of them. Um, I need the whole infield. I only have one outfield and one third baseman so far. Pitching is pretty locked down to the point where I don't need to worry about it for like five or six rounds. I can just straight up focus on hitters. The best available hitter at this point of the draft, if I'm just gonna, oh, O'Neill Cruz is still sitting there. O'Neill Cruz in the 70s is real spicy. We were talking on PitchCon the other day. I did a panel with Scott Chu and Paul Spohr. We were doing ADP battles, ADP debates. O'Neill Cruz came up in the shortstop one, and we were talking about his price, and he's generally going in the 70s, you know, late 70s, mid 70s, but we all agreed that we'd probably take him as high as maybe 50, 55. Um, O'Neill Cruz getting into the 70s. At that point, I think is a really nice deal. So let's go ahead and take O'Neal Cruz. We lock down shortstop. We've already got a pretty decent base of batting average between Riley and Carroll. You know, Riley probably more so than Carroll. So I don't really care if uh, O'Neal Cruz is only going to hit let's call it 250 for my team because I think he's potentially a 30 30 guy as well. Um, looking at who we have available here, I can lock down saves, fully lock down saves and take a Camilo Duvall or Jordan Romano at this point, there's just a lot of them left. There's a lot of relief pitchers left to the point where I probably don't need to do that. I can, but I don't know that it's necessary. I don't love the pitchers that are currently up in terms of the starters. I mean, I could go for a Yuri Perez, but I mean, I don't need to, right? Like I got such a strong base of pitching that I can kind of just focus on my offense here. The suggestions are Glaber Torres, Joe Ryan, I don't love the suggestions there. Glaber is not a bad option at this point. It's about when he should be going. I just don't know that I necessarily want to go that route here. Outfield is starting to thin up a little bit. We got Nick Castellano, Seiya Suzuki, Lane Thomas, George Springer at the top of the board. I don't love what's available to me still, to be honest with you. It might make sense to go Glaber. Glaber might make sense as somebody who is like a 25 and 10 bat. We got a good lineup. We know um, we just added Juan Soto to it. Glaber is probably pretty safe here. I need a second baseman. And mm, second base is actually pretty decent. But considering where we are in the draft, he he probably does make sense. Uh, Tip my cap to the draft technology there because I will go with Glaber Torres. I think that he's a pretty good pick in this range. I don't love it. But I can get behind it for sure, considering the way that my team has already been built. Uh, after Glaber Torres, it went. I'm just catching up here on the side. Teoscar Hernandez, Jordan Romano, Yuri Perez, Wyatt Langford, and Camilo Doval. Wyatt Langford's an expensive piece this year. If you want, a, if you want a, a share or two of him, you're paying close to a top 100 price. Alex Bregman, Evan Carter, David Bednar, Nick Castellanos, and then Catel Marte that leads me up here at 906. It's a one catcher league, so i and it's only 12 teams, so I'll probably take a catcher with my last pick. Still need to fill first base in a couple of outfield spots. And I think outfield is where I'm gonna go because outfield does thin up pretty quickly. Say Suzuki, I think, might be my guy here. Past pick 100. It's a little potentially a little bit early for him, but look at what he did last year. 138 games. It was 20 homers, six stolen bases. He batted 285. And that was while not being fully healthy the whole year. I think that Saya does make a good bit of sense here. He's not gonna give me a lot of speed. But Corbin's going to give me a good number of stolen bases. So is O'Neal Cruz. And then I'll probably get like 10 from Glaber. Maybe if I'm lucky, I don't know, a few out of Austin Riley. So I'm not in a desperate place where I need speed. I think that is well-rounded enough where he does make sense here. So let's take Seiya Suzuki in round nine at pick 906. Outfield is tricky. Outfield, if you don't get it early, it does dry up. And that's why I've been trying to take, you know, in the first couple rounds, go for a Jordan Alvarez, go for a Francisco, um, Francisco, Fernando Tatis. You know, in one of your first two rounds, it, it does make sense to take an outfielder if you're able to, because it just it gets really ugly, really quick. Um, after I took Saya, it goes Joe Ryan, Kyle Bradish, Tristan Casas, Jesus Lozardo, Josh Young, and then Dylan Cease. Starting off round 10, we got George Springer, Lane Thomas, Alexis Diaz, Bryson Stott, Walker Bueller, and then Sal Perez. We also got some news on Walker Bueller yesterday. Holy crap. I mean, we didn't get the news yesterday, but this was something that was dug up by, I'm not sure, it was a Dodgers beat writer. So it was the day after Christmas, the Dodgers announced that Bueller may not be ready to start the season. It was the day after Christmas news dump, I don't know how many people, or maybe it was right on Christmas, not many people are really paying attention to fantasy news, and I think it kind of you know, snuck under the radar. I took Walker Buehler once this year. In that draft, we did live uh, maybe a month ago with Scott Bogman, the Gladiator draft. I took Walker Buehler as like my second or third starting pitcher because I didn't hear about this. I, I'm somebody who stares at baseball knowledge and information all day, and I didn't know about this. So I'm sure a lot of you guys were also caught with your pants down a bit by the fact that Walker Bueller is probably going to have to miss some time to start the year. So that was not something we wanted to hear at all. Let's take a look at who is available here by position. I need a first baseman. I'm pretty pretty happy with who's still on the board here. Torkelson, Naylor, Diaz, Pasquantino, all cheap options that I'd be happy to take where they're going. I think they're really, really reasonably priced this year. I need a corner and a middle infielder. Not going to worry so much there. And then a couple utility spots. I think we're in a really good place here. We've taken care of those spots that are the more, you know, scarce ones. Second base, shortstop, not so much, but shortstop's not as deep as it used to be either. Shortstop, you know, we've got this narrative like it's 25 deep. You can you can wait and you can wait and you can wait. you wait too much, it gets kind of ugly. So I'm happy to have O'Neill Cruz there. Third base, we know, does not stay deep. If you look at who's on the board right now, Jake Berger, Paredes, Alec Bohm. there's some questions there for sure. Um, so I've taken care of those scarce positions. My outfield is mostly completed. And I have three potential aces now. I need to shore up saves a little bit at this point. And I still got guys on the board that I really like. Paul Seawald, Pete Fairbanks, Andres Munoz. And I think Ryan Helsley is the guy I go with here. You know, a lot of people kind of forgot about him because he was hurt for a stretch last year. He came back and he was the same Ryan Helsley that we have grown to love over the last couple of years. So the experts don't agree. But at this point, at this price, one fifteen, it does make a lot of sense, especially because I need to lock down saves Give me Ryan Helsley here, one fifteen all day. I think that's a really good price to be paying for him. Now, after I take Helsley, it goes Marcelo Zuna, Ryan Presley, Spencer Torkelson, Tanner Bybee, and Dansby Swanson. Starting off round 11, Paul Sewald, Edward Julian, Justin Steele, Clay Holmes, and Anthony Santander. Now, relief pitchers, I might take one more, but I think we're probably okay um, given the format head-to-head. I mean – Three is always preferable, I'd say. The way I set it up was only eight starting spots. So three is a little bit tough to devote to relief pitchers. You are going to leave some volume stats on the table there. Let's see the way the draft shakes out. Might use one of those last spots on, uh, on a reliever. Let's see who's available. Munoz, Fairbanks. I mean, if these guys still are here in a couple rounds, I'll do it. I'm not. It's not a position of need, but it's definitely something that's kind of interesting to me as well. Uh, first base, we have Yandy, Diaz, Naylor, Encarnacion, Strand, and Pasquantino still on the board. My targets remained. Most of my targets remained. Torkelson did get drafted. But we have some pretty solid names here to the point where I think I can honestly wait another round. So let's take a look at corner and middle infield spots because, I mean, specifically middle, I want to take a look at... Um, Shortstop is not amazing, but I got my boy Tyro Estrada. I mean one of these days I'll do a draft and not take Tyro Estrada. Probably won't be today though We'll take him probably next round because it's a little early I think I can probably wait around might be pushing my luck there but I think I can wait around on him um, in terms of the starting pitchers that are available. still got Verlander Sonny Gray Chris Bassett. there are good options um and I think honestly Cedric Mullins is a really good option at this point too. I think I may go with Mullins. Get me some more speed and power combined with, you know, I don't really need a great average, but it's not bad. I think he'll be like a 250 kind of guy, 240, 250. Good power, good speed. I think he does make his way to the top of the lineup at some point again um, for the Orioles. So I think that Mullins is who I'm going to go with here. Finish out outfield. I don't really like outfield. And they say it's a reach with this pick at 126. It probably is. I, I, don't, I just don't have a problem with it. I, I think it's very reasonable to pay in the 120s, 130 for him. Uh, it'll vary based on your format based on your ADP where he's actually going sometimes he's going a little bit later 150 or so but in the 120s I don't really have a big problem with him in this kind of format Josh Naylor follows up my Mullins pick and then Jordan Walker Merrill Kelly Pete Fairbanks Andy Diaz and TJ Friedel starting off round 12 we got Vinny P Vinny Pasquantino Christian Encarnacion Strand Andres Jimenez Zach Geloff. Jordan Verlander listen to me Justin Verlander and Yiner Diaz and now I am up here at 1207 corner and middle are still needed outside of that we're looking pretty good um, first base my first base targets have kind of vanished at this point I might have waited a little bit long but then we see Reese Hoskins still sitting there that's what I love about 12 team leagues especially when I've been drafting 15 team leagues all offseason season. 12-team leagues, you can assemble some really, really nice teams. And getting Reese Hoskins here is one of my later picks as kind of a fill-in, a guy who's probably going to hit 30 home runs this year. I mean, it's pretty damn good. Um, maybe I'll wait. Maybe I'll just you know, stick him in the queue and we'll wait and we'll see if he's still there um, next round, which is probably something I should stop doing at this point or you know, pretty damn soon because I'm going to end up missing out on a lot of my players. But I don't think I need to take him right here exactly. Let's see if my boy Tyro is still here. Yeah, Tyro's still here, and I'm not gonna mess around too much. Let's just take Tyro Estrada. They're calling it a reach. I don't care. I don't think it is a reach at that point. In the 130s, 140s, that's where he should be going. Um, I have no problem with taking Tyro in round 12. Uh, you know, I think that's a really solid pick. Sonny Gray, Evan Phillips, Andres Munoz, Tanner Scott, and Chris Bassett finish out round 12. Anthony Volpe, Max Muncy, Jordan Montgomery, Alec Bohm, Willie Adamas, get us going in round thirteen. I still need my catcher. Getting to the point where I am, you know, eh, kind of interested, but there's still names like I can. If Wilson Contreras is still sitting here at this point, I mean, there's no need for me to really reach up too much. I am probably. I'm probably ready to take him. Yeah, let's just get that out of the way. Let's get catcher out of the way. I love Wilson Contreras, another guy we talked about on the PitchCon panel the other day. By the way, you guys can go check those out on YouTube. Uh, Nick uploaded all of them to the PitcherList YouTube channel. So if you want to go check out that panel that I did or any other ones, uh, go ahead and be checking that out because there's a lot of great stuff shared over the weekend. After Wilson Contreras, it goes to Luisa Rise, Riley Green, Mitch Keller, Asuri Ruiz, Sean Murphy, and Ian Happ to round out the 13th. Starting off 14, we got Francisco Alvarez, Jordan Lawler, Jorge Soler, Craig Kimbrell, Cal Raleigh, and Masataka Yoshida. Now, I'm pretty pretty well set, but we're at the point where we should probably fill out the rest of those pitching spots. Let's go to the cheat sheets here and see the whole board and who's available to us. <clears throat> My boy Carlos Rodon is still sitting there. That's always intriguing. At pick 163, <clears throat> that's probably where he should roughly be going, 162 in the ECR, 159 by ADP. You could even argue that... This is a massive discount that's not really even right. Like he should be going a lot higher. You could make that case after you know one bad season. We kind of forget about a guy like Rodon who was a Cy Young candidate. Let's take a chance. You know, he's not somebody that I have to have a lot invested in because I have such a strong base of starting pitching. If he doesn't work out, he doesn't work out. He's my fourth starting pitcher. So, I mean, I want it to work out, but it's not, I don't have a hell of a lot invested at that price. And that's the key with Rodon this year. You know, he should be probably a little bit higher, but he's not. There's no format that I've seen, no site where he's going higher than like 120 at the highest. And even then, I think it's a pretty good price for Rodon. Uh, after him, we got Shane Bieber, Brent Rooker, Kenley Jansen, Gavin Williams, and James Outman. Starting off the 15th round, we got Gabriel Moreno, Nolan Gorman, Isak Prades, Jonathan India, and Chris Sale. So I need two more pitchers, a first baseman, a corner, and a couple of utility, splot, uh, splots, a couple of utility spots. Reese Hoskins, let's go ahead and take him now. I pick 174. They're calling it a reach, but realistically speaking, like, he's not going past that very often. Maybe he'll slip into the 180s sometimes, but not very regularly, I don't think. Uh, after him, it's Nate Lowe. Nate Lowe, Lowe. I'm mixing up my lows and Lowe's today. That's not good. Hunter Green, Chaz McCormick, Tommy Edmond, Michael King, and Hunter Brown, my darling, goes at the end of the 15th. Starting off round sixteen, Christian Javier, Ryan Pepeo, Trevor Story, Jose Barrios, Jake Berger, and Ezekiel Tovar. Let's take uh, a take, take listen to me. Let's take a look at the pitchers we have still on the board here. Bailey Ober's a decent kind of stabilizer. I've heard him referred to many times this year as cheap George Kirby, a guy who's got most of the skills of Kirby. It's hard to argue from that point of view who's going hundred picks cheaper. Uh, he doesn't have the same pinpoint control as Kirby because. There's very few pitchers, realistically, in in history of baseball that have the control that Kirby does, and that's not hyperbole. Go and look at the plus stats. Go look at walk percentage plus and things like that that normalize across era. Kirby's one of the top two or three pitchers ever in terms of control, so he's not going to compete there. But I think Bailey Ober is fairly close in a lot of different ways um, to being pretty close to what you're getting out of Kirby. And at pick 187, let's do that. Um, we're pretty much complete with our you know, our pitchers, and they call it a value pick. So that will balance out some of the quote-unquote bad picks I've been making over the last couple rounds here in the eyes of the technology. After Bailey Ober, it's Eduardo Rodriguez, Cabrian Hayes, Brandon Nimmo, Bryce Miller, and Jonah Heim. Kicking off the 17th round, we got Shane Boz, Yu Darvish, Christopher Morel, Alex Lang, and then Charlie Morton. We're in a pretty good spot here. We need corner infield, we need one pitcher, and we need a couple utility spots. Corner infield. Let's see who I have available to me uh, at the third, at third and first, just to make sure I'm not missing any good options. So third base, Nolvi Marte is kind of interesting, just as a dart throw here. Um, first base, not anything that that really is that great. Mountcastle is interesting. Candelario is interesting, but I think I'll take the upside play of Nolvi Marte. I mean, Marte could potentially be stupid good this year. Um, the hype around him was un- not unheard of, but it was it was pretty ridiculous when he first came up, and it's carried over into the offseason. season. Uh, let's take Noelvi Marte as a corner infielder. If it doesn't pan out at this point of the draft at this price, it doesn't really matter. And again, they're calling it a value pick here at 198 overall. I am a little worried about the way that playing time is going to shake out there, but at the end of the day, I think I think a guy like Marte talent will win out. Uh, Jaron Duran, Carlos Correa, Albert Alzale, Lars Nubar, Jose Alvarado, and Max Scherzer finish out the 17th round. 18 starts with Braxton Garrett, Nathan Ivaldi, Logan O'Hoppe, Jose Leclerc, Jeremy Pena, and Eloy Jimenez. We are down to our last three selections. I think I kind of want to get the pitcher out of the way here, and well, let's just see who's available to us. I suppose I shouldn't be making any assertions without seeing the board. In terms of relievers, is there anybody that has some safe potential here? Not really. I mean, I can go for a Kyle Finnegan, but I want some higher upside probably to finish off my draft. Brian Wu has been getting a lot of talk on Twitter recently. Projections are pretty decent for him. Uh, a lot of people are saying that he is going to kind of be forgotten about in Seattle because there are just so much talent there starting pitcher-wise. Castillo, we just talked about Kirby, Logan Gilbert. There's a lot of talent. Wu might be the guy that gets forgotten about. And with my last starting pitcher slot, doesn't work out, doesn't work out. If it does, I'm potentially looking at a gold mine here in Brian Wu. So we'll take that chance. He is my last pitcher. And now we're just in the luxurious position of only needing two utility spots at this point of the draft. After I take Brian Wu, it goes Marcus Stroman. It goes Nick Pavetta, Kibay Ruiz, Bo Naylor, and Heimer Candelario. Round 19 is Nick Lodolo, Jorge Polanco, Jackson Holiday, Ryan Mountcastle, and MJ Melendez. Two utility spots. We're going to see who the best players are available to us, and I guess the cheat sheet DH is probably a good way to go about it. Byron Buxton, oh, man, are we going to do it to ourselves? At, you know, at the point where he's the last pick of the draft, it's hard not to. You know, Buxton was a guy who was borderline first-round pick a couple of years. I think he actually might have been a first-round pick. To get him in the last round, even though there are questions, he started to steal a bit more last year. We know the power is legit. The plan is to play him in the outfield, which I don't know how I feel about that. That might be a good thing. might be a bad thing. But let's take a chance on him with one of my utility DH spots. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. With your last couple of picks, you can take chances like that because especially in the 12-team league, the amount of replacement level value that is available to you is kind of ridiculous. If you can you know, take a chance, it doesn't work out. There's five other guys who are waiting in the wings to replace this guy who probably should be on rosters to begin with depending on how deep your league goes and what have you. Uh, I think my last spot here is going to be Stephen Kwan, just a, a well-rounded player. My power is pretty well taken care of here. Contreras and Hoskins and Torres and Cruz and Riley, like everybody in the lineup is a 20-plus home run threat. I can be okay with Kwan you know, not giving me that, probably going to be five to seven, eight home runs. But I'm getting good batting average. I'm getting speed out of him. I think there's a lot to like here. And again, as a utility spot, last spot in the lineup kind of just solidify my average a little bit Uh, i will happily take stephen kwan to wrap things up and 90 out of 100 is what they're giving me i usually do pretty well in these things 90 is not bad Uh, 90 is not a bad score here from fantasy pros after i took stephen kwan wrapping up the draft was nesser cortez jp crawford matt chapman justin turner and andrew abbott going last i like my team I like this team pretty well Uh, in terms of the actual specific categories. They're saying that I am looking really good in stolen bases. And then the pitching stats, I am expected to absolutely dominate. They don't love my hitting as much. Projected 7th in runs, 8th in homers, ninth in ribbies, and 7th in batting average. But they love the pitching. Projected no worse than 5th in any pitching stat. I usually wait more on pitching than I do today. It's not something that I, I tend to do is take three pitchers in the first, whatever it was five rounds, the value is just there. And that's something that I'm coming around to a lot more in draft season. You need a closer. There's no great closers available this round. So don't necessarily have to reach for them, but at the same time, don't make a pick that is just, you know, a bad pick simply because well this is the guy sitting here at ADP, like, Roster construction is important, but I think also taking the best player available a lot of the time is important, too. And you'll figure it out. Like, oh, I'm going to have to put him in a middle infielder spot. Middle infielder spot is the same damn thing as a second base spot, as a first base spot. It's just another starting spot on your roster. It doesn't count for any more or less. It's the same thing, essentially. So I don't really have a big problem um, if you are somebody who... I, I know it's not the way that the industry necessarily works all the time, but if you want to take somebody at a draft spot who doesn't fit your team necessarily all the best, it's okay. If they're the best player available and you're looking around that area and you're thinking, oh my God, like I don't want to take this guy, but he's sitting right here, then don't do it. You know, there, there are different ways to build a team, there's different ways to skin a cat, as the, as the saying goes. There's not one right or wrong way to do it. You're sitting there. I saw Glass now sitting there in the fifth. I didn't need a starting pitcher. He's the best player available. I don't like anybody else who's there. Don't overthink it so much. Sometimes you can, but I think a lot of the time keep it simple and take the best player available. As long as you're not talking about like, you know, you're 17 rounds into a draft, you got to start to think about roster construction. You got to start to think about categories. But in the first five or seven rounds, I'm coming around to the idea a lot more of you take the best player, you figure out the roster construction in the later rounds. But, you know, if you're, if you're starting that roster construction game in the first couple of rounds, you're going to end up with a team that fits together nicely probably, but you're leaving some of the better players on the, on the board as well. But that'll do it. Hope you guys enjoyed. If you do, then please go ahead and check out the YouTube channel. Whether you're listening on the podcast or YouTube side, check out the YouTube channel. You know, go through the videos we've got. We've done a ton of team previews, more coming this week. Tomorrow, Michael Govier will join me to talk Detroit Tigers. That will be in video form and in podcast form. Ideally, you guys are doing both. If you're listening on the podcast side, come check out the YouTube. If you're on YouTube, go check out the podcast side. You get different things from both sides, right? YouTube, you get to see the visuals of a draft that I'm doing here. On the podcast side, you get the show every single day, where not every single show is on YouTube. So there is kind of a, a little bit of a mixed bag there, but you're helping us out. If you can help us out, it doesn't cost you anything. Hope you guys will do that. Go check us out at Joe Rico 99 over on Twitter and at Ethos Fantasy BB. If you're not somebody who uses social media, sportsethos.com is the place to be going. But that'll do it for us guys. We'll be back tomorrow. Like I said, Detroit Tigers time with our good friend Michael Govier from the Palazzo Podcast and FTN fantasy. But until then, everybody, take care. Have a great night. And we will see you then.